eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. These things feel a lot better after a win than they do having to sit here and dissect a loss, whether it's football, basketball, or anything else. Life feels so much better after a win. Got my Eagles jacket on, got a brand new Eagles jacket for, for Christmas. Life's good. It's New Year's Eve. Super happy. If you've been living on a rock or just have not gotten a chance to watch Wake Forest basketball yesterday, Wake Forest absolutely just obliterated Virginia Tech, Virginia Poly Institute of Technology, 86 to 63. I think winning by 23 points against a top 60, 70 team in the country is a good thing. I don't know. Maybe the net. I haven't checked the net. I'll check the net right now because I want to see. But you know, maybe the net says it's it's a bad win. I think the net will say it's a good win. As of right now, looks like Wake Forest has actually jumped in the net. They are up to number. Do, 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 do. I just lost that, but they're up 64th, jumped up 14 spots in the net. Virginia Tech tumbled 16 spots. I hate this metric so, so, so much. You know, I wanted to do some three ups, three downs because I thought this would be a game. This, uh, I thought this would be a game that you know would be not topsy turvy, but would have a, some ebbs and flows to it. Wake handled it start to finish. They jumped out to a fourteen to four lead. You know, at the under, like at the first media timeout, it got extended to a fifteen point lead. You know, roughly five six minutes later. They, I don't think the, I'm pretty sure the lead didn't drop under 20 the entire second half. I mean, the, the, the quote of the day probably comes from Mike Young, Virginia Tech's head coach, when after the game, he's being interviewed and says, essentially, quote unquote, when you get your ass beat in the first half, there's no consolation prizes with going toe to toe in the second half. I mean, I, it's not really a gloating thing to say, like, Virginia Tech got their ass kicked in this game. Backcourt, frontcourt, left, right, up, down. Virginia Tech got their ass kicked in this game. And it's just another notch in the Steve Forbes belt. And it's it's really interesting when you look at Steve Forbes' tenure because it's always fun and after a win to go like, yeah, I remember the times people wanted to fire Steve Forbes and I always just thought getting too high or too low on someone is just not good. With Steve Forbes, is interesting because if you had to make a knock on whether it's this Wake Forest team or Wake Forest teams in the last few years, 
the one knock on Forbes is entire tenure, but I'll just kind of narrow it to three years because I just don't count that COVID year in the slightest. Wake Forest underneath Steve Forbes the last three years is 37 and five at home. That is an absolutely bonkers stat if you think about that. Just with Wake Forest, you know, Steve Forbes you know, over the last three years is what is I'm gonna I didn't I don't know why I didn't do this math, but 44, 53 is 53 and 27 just with Wake Forest the last three years. Again, I'm not gonna count the COVID year because I think the COVID year is just dumb. That roster is awful. Wake Forest is 53 and 27 in three years under Steve Forbes. Out of those 53 wins, 37 of them are at home. That is insane. I I think Wake Forest can have a very good home field home court atmosphere. I don't think it's definitely. I think there have been there have definitely been some games where the Joel's been rocking, and you know fans have done. And this isn't a, a thing to say. You know the fans aren't coming up Wake Forest. They need to do better. I don't want that to get twisted. The one blemish on Steve Forbes' resume is the fact that I don't, I don't think Wake has done as good of a job as they could have outside of the Jewel. But when teams come to the Jewel, it's hell. Uh, it's not the rack, but it's, cl- but it's close. Like Teams coming into Wake playing in Winston-Salem, while it does feel like every team turns into the Harlem Globetrotters and decides that I'm going to make every hard shot known to man, there's a, there's a chart from Shot Quality that essentially says, Throughout the first 11 games of the season, Wake Forest has been kind of taking some crappy shots, but they've been kind of getting unlucky in terms of the shots their opponents are taking because they're generally bad shots. They're going in, they're going in. And that's kind of how it feels. But just in general, Steve Forbes, like he has done an insane job at home. And it's and it's not just with you know bad teams, it's good teams as well. I mean, obviously you had Duke win last year. They've been UNC at home. They've had some solid wins at home the last few years. I haven't done the math in terms of you know what the record is in ACC play. That would take a lot of me sitting here looking at that because it's a lot of manual. And I don't feel like writing a script for that. But what Steve Forbes has done at home is insane. But the one or two blemishes I would say would be the fact of, I guess, high school recruiting is a blemish, quote unquote. And I'll get to that in a second. But the other blemish is, you know, he needs to win away from Winston-Salem. And, you know, he got a couple wins in the AC tournament, but where this team is going to be moving forward is going to come down to, you know, if they want to make the tournament, they've got to win away. They play too many good teams. They play, their home plays is pretty solid. They've got Miami at home, Virginia, who got the, their teeth kicked in by Notre Dame. I don't really know what's going on with that Virginia team. I think Notre Dame's a lot better than people were giving them credit for. There's always a couple of teams in the ACC that are better than what they show in the non-conference schedule. It's annoying, but like that's just the reality of the world we live in. And I think Notre Dame is one of those teams. I think Shrewsbury is, is a good coach. But they've got Miami at home, Virginia at home, Louisville. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Louisville's so bad. Louisville's the wor- one of the worst teams I've, I've seen. They are one of the worst teams I've seen. Kenny Payne, the only reason they haven't fired Kenny Payne is because they're broke. It, it's also kind of the reason they haven't been jumping on the Florida State bandwagon of trying to get out of the ACC because they don't have a spot in the Big 12, Big, the Big 10, or the SEC. So they are kind of broke. And when you're broke, you don't try to get out of a conference because you're still paying a couple coaches and you probably, and you still have to pay Kenny Payne if you fire him. So just a little of insight of why they have not moved on. It's because they're poor. We're calling, we're, we're calling people broke boys as this, the new year comes along. Like, like they're broke, but a side note, you can file away for later. When Kenny Payne is fired, I think there might be some sort of a, and this is, I, I think Matthew March is going to be a good player. 
I don't know if it'll be a good player on this team. I keep an eye out for a big man from the Louisville Cardinals. If when Kenny Payne gets fired, even if he somehow doesn't get fired after this year, I I would keep an eye on a big man coming from the Louisville Cardinals to Wake Forest. Nothing set in stone. We're not sitting here doing some allegations. Tampering isn't real. But, you know, I think the portal season is going to get fun for Wake Forest. But looking back at the schedule for Wake Forest at home, at home you have Miami, Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse, NC State, Pitt, Duke, Georgia Tech, and you finish the season with Clemson. Syracuse maybe becomes a good win. I I don't really know what to think about the Syracuse team right now. State, I don't really know. I'd say it's next month. It's just the, the, the entire month of January for State is going to determine whether or not they're a good team or not. I think Duke is. I think Duke is a very good team. I think Duke is a pretty staunch team. I think Jordan. I think Georgia Tech sneak. Jordan. I said it in football, and I'm saying it in basketball. Georgia Tech is a sneaky team, and they're going to get some people. They're going to absolutely get some people. And they, they, I not entirely sold on the coach as an actual coach. I would like to see more evidence before I say that. But they've already gotten Duke. They're going to get some people. Like this team is, this team is actually, they're way more athletic than people realize. And athleticism will get you a long way in this business. But I think Duke and Clemson are the only two games right now where you can, and I guess Miami. Those you have three games at home where you're like, all right, like these are going to be some Q1 or just you know, just flat out good wins teams in, that are in the tournament. On the road, you've, I think you've got to steal one. I think you've got to steal at least one out of state, Carolina, and Duke. And I, I think I think right now you'd be favored and you should be favored against Virginia. Like one game doesn't tell everything, but I that's a matchup where. Wake Virginia is a matchup where going to the season, I thought I was a little bit more scared. But if this team is going to play defense like they have in the last five games, I don't know if Virginia can score on them. So if if people line that as Virginia as a favorite, whether home or away, I'll probably bet that. Betting for Wake Forest minus three and a half or four today was the freest bet. Anyways. But this is a team that's going to need to win on the road. Like I think you can, you have some good, you could have some good wins with Miami, with Duke, and with with Clemson coming into the Joel, but I think the biggest thing, and that's it's dumb, but I think something you're going to have to note for the tournament moving forward is can this team win on the road? That's the one thing Steve Forbes hasn't necessarily done underneath Wake, and again, like the roster hasn't been as conducive, but I think this is a team that can that has the pieces to compete on the road. I thought last year's team had the pieces except for the defensive part and the defensive part wasn't necessarily scheme. It's the fact they just had two guys that were six foot one, which is very tall. No, I'm not projecting as a five foot eight man, but they had a couple of shorter dudes playing guard and couldn't really do much with that. Marsh wasn't the bet. Isn't the best defensively. Now they have Epton Reed. Now they have their guards. Might be boopies tiny, but between Cam and, and Hildreth, excuse me, Cam and Hunter, their guard plays so much better improved defensively and not really because of acumen or effort, but just because people are just bigger. Like they're just physically bigger in the, in the backboard. And I think that defense is going to travel really, really well. But getting back to the game against Virginia tech, I mean, it, there's not, there wasn't really a ton bad. I guess the, the only thing bad I would say would be, they just didn't take some shots that I liked. But otherwise, I mean, you held Lynn Kidd to 14 points on 15 shots. I I, I wasn't a believer in the fact I, I didn't believe that Lynn Kidd was going to be this absolutely monstrous person in the ACC this year because he put up points on American. I've watched that American team in person, went down the street and watched him against, against Georgetown. I think I could put Aaron Roundtree in and he might get 14 and 8. No, no disrespect to Tree. Love you, big dog. Round Tree's like 30. <laughs> and I think I could put him in and then he could get 14 and 8. America's not that good. But I, I think Lincoln's going to be a solid center. 
but I think he's more of like a mid-tier big in the ACC right now. The ACC has a ton of really, really good bigs, a ton of them. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you get a guy like Efton Reed is because you need to be able to handle this being a center league. They did a very good job with, with Lynn Kidd, and I, I thought that was impressive. They did a really good job with Virginia Tech as a whole. I mean, points per possession, Virginia Tech was at 0.67. That's disgusting. That's sicko. That is a sicko thing. 19 turnovers, nine steals for Wake Forest. They were extremely, extremely, extremely physical. One thing I loved was the full court pressure. I don't think that's going to be something they're going to pull out really all that often. But it was something that you know, Steve Forbes, like I know Connor O'Neill talked to, like mentioned on Twitter, and I thought of, I saw it too. It was like, I don't, I've never seen this team do that. And Forbes talked about it in his press conference because someone asked about it, quote unquote. I think that's something we've been working on. They're the type of team that they're a rhythm team on offense and they've been really good at running stuff. So why would you let them just walk it up and run every time? I thought that's, that was a good scout. They, they scouted the hell out of that team. And that was a really, really good game plan. I thought that was a, that was a masterclass in what you like. Hey, you, you had enough time to see what this team wanted to do. You had a plan and you implemented it. I thought that was step-by-step a coaching clinic of that's what you do against this team. And I'm excited because that's, that's competency. I, competency goes a long, long way in this business. There are so many incompetent coaches, whether it's basketball or football, or whatever, that even showing, Hey, you did your job and you executed your job. Gold star goes Steve Forbes. Great. I had a conversation with someone though. And I mean, I'm looking at stats for Wake Forest. I don't know if Wake gets a player of the week at any point this year. Maybe, maybe, I mean, if they, if they pull off the Duke, Virginia on the road, you know, they go two and oh there. Maybe they get a player of the week in those like out of there. But when you look at the stats, they're almost too unself. They're almost too unselfish. It's, it's insane because Hunter Salas, who, who, who in Hunter Salas's circle told him to go to Gonzaga? I want to know. I, I I would like to know who told him to do that, because that was one of. Not everyone is the. Not every advice you get is great. Not every decision you make is the best one. Whoever told Hunter Salas to go to Gonzaga. Jail, jail. Straight to jail. Do not do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Straight to jail, <laughs> because all it took and, and and yes, and this is credit to Forbes for nailing an eval and saying, hey, you know, this guy was overlooked at this at the school. But really, all it's taken is sort of a free flowing offense for a guy who was bouncy as hell coming out of out of high school, has just so much defensive length. All it took was just a free-flowing offense for this man to get going. That's all it took. All it took was just give him a minute and free-flowing offense. Don't make him do anything that you know he's not the worst at, which Gonzaga kind of asked him to. And he magically becomes like, cool, he's not averaging 25 and 10. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The five-star isn't, isn't averaging 25 and 10. He's averaging 18, 3, and 2 with a steal. He's averaging 1.1 steals a game. Do you know how insane that is for that? And you know what's even more insane than that? Boopy is averaging 1.6 steals per game. Boopy is basically averaging two steals a game. That's hilarious. But Hunter Salas is is, is playing well. Boopy is playing well. Cam Hildreth, I think, could play better, but is averaging 15-4 and 3. I At halftime, Andrew Carr had 8-6. and six. And it felt like it was just so quiet. Congrats on your thousand points, Mr. Carr. Andrew Carr had eight and six, which is like at, at half, which is, you know, if, if people had that for a game, some people are like, God, you know what? He, he contributed. He had eight and six half. And it was like, man, I really think, you know, Andrew Carr could do better. Finished with eight, with 15 and five with a block in it, 15 and eight with a block in a steal. Andrew Carr is just quietly just putting together just 
eight, just a 15 and eight season. Like that's, that's insane for a dude that's your four. 15 and eight, shooting 36%, over 36% from three. You know, would be his second best margin since the 2021 season when he's at Delaware. It's, it's insane. <laughs> like it's, it's laughable. And Efton, the one thing about Efton, though, and I, I guess this will be one of the uh, a down from this, and it's a problem that Efton has had since he was at LSU. Got to work on Efton, Efton's foul troubles. Like that's going to be something that I'm probably I'm going to key in on when they get to playing Duke, when they get to play you know, North Carolina. Because especially when they play North Carolina in North Carolina, because it's not a conspiracy, just North Carolina gets, they, they play a lot. They play inside a lot and they draw a lot of fouls. That's just what they do. Just, they just draw a lot of fouls. And if you don't have F10 against Baycott, you know, I think Andrew Carr could handle Baycott. I would prefer Mr. You know, Efton Reed, Mr. Five Star, to, to handle that. Maybe Zach Keller does it. You know, uh, Zach, I am going to issue an apology on, on here. I am 100% so sorry for saying yesterday that you got bullied by Lynn Kidd, which, I mean, he, he got cooked a couple times. Like, there was a couple possessions where Zach Keller got cooked by Lynn Kidd. And then after those two possessions he just decided that he wasn't going to get beat by Lynn Kidd anymore and he was correct (laughs) I don't I want there are two things I want out of this basketball team that have nothing to do with the team I want one whatever whatever Steve Forbes says at halftime and two whatever Steve Forbes said to Zach Keller after you know after the Utah game, I want I want those two speeches. I need them written down. I need them delivered to me. Maybe I'll become a better person at that point because whatever those two speeches were are the best things since sliced bread. They're the best things I've ever heard of mine. I've ever seen in my entire life because Wake Forest generally coming out of halftime is just a demonstrably better team. And whatever happened to Zach Keller. Uh, you know, I didn't think he was on transfer risk necessarily, but I definitely thought he was going to be someone that, you know, you really want to see how he was going to grow as the season went along. I mean, it's not even a growing as the season goes along. It was, it's been a five game just flip switch. You know, he, Zach Keller had the, and it's hysterical because he only had two points, a, a rebound, two assists, and two steals and a foul yesterday. It's all, it was all the stats he had yesterday for two rebounds, for two points, a rebound and two assists. And I guess two steals. He had an insanely good game. Defensively, he was one of the bright. He was one of the biggest, like and shiniest bright spots that you've had. And he just does so many things that just are not in the stat sheet. But you look at him, and you go, man, like this dude was, this dude was really good. But you look, at the, you look at the stats, and you're like, man, he can do anything. He's one of those guys I think that is just going to be a much better real-life basketball player than he is going to be a like fantasy basketball player, which is fine. I mean, that's life. He's really bought into his role, and you know, I'm really excited to see what Zach Keller keeps, keeps doing. Granted, we are, we are only 12 games into the season, a lot of season to go. We're dealing with a, still a very small sample size. But I'm really excited. The fun thing about you know, Steve Forbes' left team is the fact of the freshman. You know, Parker, Parker wasn't, you know, amazing yesterday. You know, from the, from the field, th- shot 33%, you know, three points. That was it, two fouls. But the fact that he's getting 20 minutes and playing solid defense in these games, that bodes well for the rest of the year. But it's also it also shouldn't be surprising that him and you know Triple M are going are you know, playing solid minutes. That's like quietly been a thing for Steve Forbes over the last three years of his of his tenure. You know, we had four because you kind of had to play Carter Witt. But you look at the last three years, and you know, this year you have Parker and Mark and Marquise Marin uh, Mitrovich. Last year he had he had Mr. Clintman 
and then the year before he had camp. Like every year that he's been here, a freshman has taken a massive leap into being like a solid ACC level player year one. You know, Grant, and you know, next year you only have Juke coming in. I think there's going to be some people ahead of Juke, but you know, every single year he's had a freshman come in and just be a solid ACC level player. Some other guys haven't worked out. You know, I think Lucas Taylor's doing well at Georgia State. Robin McRae's doing well where he's at right now. Yeah, Marsh. Marsh has some good moments, but I think Marsh is it's just more it's just more situational. And you know, I thought the big recruiting had been a little spotty with Wake, but I think Zach Keller has started coming along. Bigs are just hard. Bigs are like offensive linemen to me. To be quite honest, it's they take time need time to develop, and it's I don't know if it's never really ever really a gradual sort of thing with the with those types of players, whether it's offensive linemen or whether it's centers. It's a switch comes on or off. It's either you're there or you're not. Like you don't really grow. You just kind of just become you just are who you are and Zach Keller's flip switch has been on I don't ever really know if Zach Keller is going to be like a you know a double double machine I don't know if he's ever going to be you know a a 13 and 6 kind of guy just you know just plug him in he's going to get points but what he has done is really acknowledge what his role is going to be and play so damn hard I love that from him I love that from Zach Keller, and I think that's that's going to be positive going forward. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I love the... I mean, I'm going to harp on the defense. I, I'm not really talking about the offense. If the offense is the offense, they're going to score 80 points a game. One thing just... It, and I talk about it in betting-wise because I think that's kind of how I like analyzing games. is kind of figuring out, you know, what these matchups are. I think scoring wise, Wake Forest is going to probably average around 80 points a game. This is going to be a team that is going to score 80 plus points in most games they play. They force a lot of turnovers. They force enough turnovers. They take solid shots. They make a solid amount of their shots. Like just watching Cam and Hunter just take some flat footed threes was hysterical. But they score at a healthy at a healthy clip. They defend well enough to get turnovers to get easy easy baskets. And I thought that was one of the better things that I saw yesterday was, and I know from blogger so dear crew Ben Conroy, shut up Ben. Ben Conroy mentioned yesterday that it was in the middle of the second in the second half, I believe, that he that Wake Forest only had. I mean, finals, yeah. So they in the first half they had. Three team assists on 17 made shots. Just following that up with the end of the game. Wake Forest made 30 shots and only had nine assists. If you're a math guy, some people aren't math guys. That is a that's that's essentially a no not essentially that's a that's a 30% assist rate, which is fine. You know, you wish it could be a little bit higher, but I don't think that's indicative of what this team is. I just then thought it was a good thing of they had as many assists as they had steals. They had nine assists and nine steals. They had so many easy buckets because of that. But on the offensive side, it wasn't so much that they were just playing hero ball, hero ball. 
they were just getting to their spots pretty damn easy. And I'm curious if that continues because, and that's something I'm going to kind of watch if you're looking at over-unders for this team, because if they're going to be able to get to their spots, they're going to get, they're just going to take shots. Sometimes those shots aren't fall. They want to go only shot 44% yesterday from the field. And sometimes those shots aren't going to fall. But I, this this team feels noticeably more athletic than the ones they've had. That's even the twenty, even the one that should have made the tournament. This this team feels just more athletic than that team, and they're going to just blow by a ton of people in this conference. Like they should be able to blow by Boston College, Florida State, honestly Virginia, Pitt, Hughes, Georgia Tech. Like, like they should be able to blow past these people, like blow past these guys. The question is going to be, are the buckets going to keep falling? And I thought the rebounding was great for this team. The question is just going to come down to, is the defense, is that just a one-time thing with the defense? And we've seen a gradual improvement with the defense. But is that going to be something that that they're going to continue to do? If they do, defense travels. Defense travels very, very well. I think this is a tournament team. You know, I, I, I thought about it. I thought it during the summer. I thought it when they get when they got Efton Reed. Still waiting on Tamari. I know there's there's a rumor floating around that Tamari is academic academically ineligible. This isn't to point anybody out. I never want to make people feel like that. If Tamari was academically ineligible, and this is this is I, I haven't told I've asked around and people have laughed at the assumption. So, but you know, things happen. If Damari was academically ineligible, and I say this the nicest way possible, I don't think Steve Forbes would be coaching. I think Steve Forbes would be on trial for strangling a player because you look at this fucking team with this that Steve Forbes have, and then all of a sudden the academic advisor comes into Steve Forbes' office and goes, "Yeah, hey, I think is it is it Jane Caldwell? I think Jane is is Jane the basketball one." You just have an academic advisor coming in to to Steve Forbes' office. You know, it's got it's downsized since Danny Manning isn't there anymore. It doesn't have, need to be for a six foot ten former NBA player. Jane comes in and goes, Hey Steve, how you doing? Steve cracks joke. And she goes, Not not the time for joke, Steve. Zamari, he's he's failing culinary one oh one. He can't pass communications two ten with Dave Gorin. You know he just wasn't showing up to the to the to the NBC studio. Just just if Gorin couldn't handle it, I can't handle it. He, he's he's failing. He can't make the grades. If that happened, Steve Forbes would go to Damari's house in Deacon Place and strangle this dude because <laughs> Steve Forbes has a team. And you're going to sit here and throw it away because you can't show up to Communications 210 with Dave Gorin? Come on now. Come on. But I, I, in all seriousness, I have not been told that Damari is academically ineligible. I don't think that's the case. I think Damari, I think Damari's family would strangle him as well if he was academically ineligible. I, we kind of, we, we kind of do this thing with injuries and, you know, I, I'm guilty of it myself of, we assume someone's going to come back just immediately and be the same person. This dude blew out his knee. Like, let's not let's not forget. Like, less than a year ago, this dude just straight up like blew out his knee on like live television, and it was like a pretty like bad injury. If you were there, like I remember talking to people that were there, they're like that looked terrible. It's going to take some time to rehab. I know Damari was a freak when it came to the to the Achilles, but both mentally and physically, you know, it's going to take a bit for him. I was hoping. And we had heard, you know, by the Virginia Tech game, he'd be back. He obviously is not. You know, if I'm Wake Forest, I'm hoping, praying. Honestly, I don't really, I would prefer, I would love for him to be back by the UNC game on the 22nd on the road. Can you get him back by the Georgia Tech game, February 6th? I think, I think that's, on. if you can get him back before Pitt or Syracuse, so either in January, early February, 
I think that's probably going to be where you're like, okay, I feel a lot better because if you can get him back before Pitt and Syracuse, you get him a few games before you go into Cameron Indoor. I think you want to, I think you, with the schedule you have and the team you have, like I said, I think you're going to need to win some games on the road. It might not be able to, might not be able to get steal one in the Dean Dome. Can you go into Cameron Indoor with a full ass team? And I think that's, if you can go into that Duke game, 212, I mean, I would love to do it against UNC, trust me. But just thinking about time frames and how long it might take for someone to get back. If you can go into that Cameron Indoor Stadium game, 212, with a healthy Damari, with Parker, shoot these, te- shoot these fucks out the gym, man. Go in there and shoot them out the gym. That's, that's kind of my thought process of you don't want to rush them back. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I think Miami is a very, very, very good team. They're an athletic as hell team. They're they're going to be a team that they're Miami does what Miami does. They're going to look meh all the way until March because I think defense and center play wins you all the way up into March. And when you get to March, guard play wins. And that's why I really feel good about this team is because when you're playing a bunch of one and dones, you having the best, you having some of the best guards in the country wins you games, not you having the best center in the league, not you having a top five center in the league. You having these guards is going, it wins you games in March. Miami has done the last, what, three years? You having good guards, Kansas State did it last year. You having good guards wins you in March. And so, but I think, you know, I think Wake Forest should be able to take care of business and gets Boston College. I'll launch the hot take now. If Wake Forest beats Miami on January 6th, UNC North Carolina is going to be a ranked game. It's going to be popping. It's going to, I think, Wake Forest, they're on a, I believe it's an eight-game win streak, seven-game win streak. They're on a seven-game win streak right now. I think if Wake Forest beats Miami, obviously it also beats Boston College. I think Wake Forest is on a, is, is going to be on a, on a eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, it's going to be on a 13-game win streak when they go to play UNC. If they beat that Miami team, there is not a, and and the thing is not so much just trying to be a homer and trying to amp up the masses. It's one of those things that, and I don't want to read too much to one win because it's one win. Again, you need to do some stuff on the road. You you have Boston college. That's a sleepy, sleepy ass game. January 2nd, 7 PM in Chestnut Hill. Ugh, that's a disgusting game. That's, that's ripe for an ACC network. Just the hell happened to Wake Forest against Boston College? That's that's right for that. You got to win against Boston College on the road. Florida State on the road. NC State on. You got to win on the road. But the thing is, there isn't a matchup now that I don't like. I think the worst matchup right now that I can think of that I don't like is Harrison Ingram against Andrew Carr in the ACC. Like other than that, and I guess the guard play against Duke. Because I think Duke has some has some really really good guards. There's really only one matchup left in the ACC that I'm like, I do not love that for Wake Forest, but against Boston College, against Miami, against Miami, the one of the biggest things I thought people can do is have actual athletic bigs that can just kind of cook. I think I think Wake Forest matches up extremely well against Miami team. I think they match up well against Boston College. I think they match up very well against Florida State. This Virginia team, especially if they keep turning the ball over and have no offensive identity, I think that's going to be the thing. NC State's kind of a weird team to handle, and I'll kind of get to them when they finish playing their games. They have a heavy stretch before they play Wake. But I think that you know DJ Burns versus Neptune Reed is going to be a fun matchup. But other than that, I, there's not a lot on that team that scares me at this present moment. Could it be later? Yes, but at this present moment, not a whole lot that scares me out of the NC State team. I think Louisville's a joke. So I, I really do believe that if you go and take care of business the next two games, you'll go into that North Carolina game ranked and you'll and you'll be fine. I think and I don't think you'll you'll lock in a tournament spot that early, but I think that's one of those things that you can run you can rattle off enough wins in a row if you beat that if you beat that Miami team off enough wins in a row that probably after Miami. 
I think people would would be voting for Wake Forest to be in the AP poll. It's one of those things that you've you've started seeing the media chatter. Seth Greenberg said it on on TV yesterday. Saw it from Fanta. People are very much starting to take notice of Wake Forest. And look, man, you got you got to rank somebody. That's one of the unfortunate things about about the polls is you got to rank somebody. But you, know, you start winning, you're already on the seven game winning streak. You get thirteen people. Honestly, even if you lose to Miami. And then you rattle off, you know, the next five wins or so. I think people don't really have a choice but to like rank you at that point because it's going to be that one of those things of we got to put somebody in here. And I think Wake Forest could have a very, very good shot of being ranked combat UNC game. I'm excited. This team's fun, man. This team's fun. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be having fun with basketball, and I know a lot of Wake Forest fans are happy to have fun again. Steve Forbes has done a good job of creating some good energy. This team is fun to root for. You know? And, you know, I there are a lot of twists and turns to come with this season. But this team is very, very, very fun to root for. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that people have something to care about with this. I know people got a little bit apathetic after football season. Basketball, you know, and while I do not think basketball can pay the bills for a certain thing, and there's a whole other discussion. I'll I'll touch on this. Someone you know has asked you know why can't Wake Forest be like a Providence or you know UConn or a Marquette? Some teams that you know, don't really have football and you know, are their athletic departments are still fine without it. Those teams, those schools, very much have a when you don't when you when they didn't organize their athletic department around the revenue coming into football it makes they already know how to handle stuff without it when you take the football money away life becomes a lot harder in terms of managing everything because you've already made promises and all and all these different things based on the money you're bringing in football it's a lot easier to say hey we just didn't do this in the first place when the money started exploding than it is to say oh we had this money when everything was exploding and now you know that everything's falling apart we don't know what to do with this so but I, it, it, it's not to say you shouldn't care only about basketball. Like if that basketball is your thing, go do you, man. You do you. Be happy. I hope life treats you well. Football is still the, the money sport, but I think that having a successful basketball team is something that is would be very beneficial of course. It doesn't pay the bills, but it's something that people care a hell of a lot about. And I think having more and more fan support is never a bad thing, especially in the in an era right now where you have a bunch of suits and a bunch of people who could not care less about sports, who could not care less about what the fan experience is, trying to tell you you should care about this and this and this. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to care about. I think that's dumb. You go enjoy what you you enjoy. As long as it doesn't hurt anything, as long as it hurts someone, as long as it doesn't make, as long as you're not being racist, xenophobic, homophobic, whatever, any of the phobics, as long as you... You having fun doing something? Go do you, big dog. You want to care about solely basketball? You want to be happy about this team right now? Go be happy. Don't let the suits take away your happiness. Don't let people take away your happiness. That is that is the 2024 New Year's resolution. Do not let people take away your happiness. And right now, I am happy about Wake Forest. I think what Steve Forbes is doing, and I'm going to kind of leave a note on this. I think what Steve Forbes is doing in terms of roster management is something that Dave Clawson does on a you know, kind of a larger scale, but it's more apparent because you only have X amount of people to work with in basketball. It's exactly what a team like Wake Forest should be doing, both in football and basketball. You should be getting, you should do kind of, you know, high school is what it is. Make sure you ident- identify the right people and you still have to recruit from high school. You can't fully just acknowledge that, but, you know, people can pluck them. You know, you got to make sure you keep your own guys until we have contracts, but you know, you identify good people in high school. When it comes to the portal, there are two people you need to be prioritizing. It is the guys coming from schools like you know, Delaware or Richmond or, you know, a D2 school, just Central Michigan. Coming from, I don't know, what's another, you know, Colorado State or if you're, Toledo, stuff like that. Coming from the G5, the FCS, if you're outside of the, you know, the power six in basketball, 
bring those guys, bring those guys up, whether it's for football or it's Malik Mustafa, whether it's Cody Turner for basketball, whether it's Andrew Carr coming from Delaware, Boopy from Central Michigan. I remember people kind of consternating about when they went out and got Boopy so quickly. It really should have rang some alarm bells the second that the alarm bells, like when we saw the second the portal opened, Steve Forbes did not decide to go after whatever, you know, former five-star guards that came from wherever they may be besides Hunter Salas. But instead of going after all the other guards, people like, go after this guy, this guy, this guy. This dude went straight to central Michigan to get booby. Like, just made a beeline. Had Mitt fuel up the plane. I'm sure Mitt was fueling it himself. I'm sure no one worked on it. I'm sure Mitt himself put the fuel in the plane to go straight to central Michigan. That should have been the alarm bells that, like, this dude was going to be good. It was just like, this dude went to the middle of nowhere to get this dude that's like 5'11. Is Mitch taller than him? I'm not sure. But this dude made a beeline to central Michigan. And people, and we, and some people consternated about that and just like, like, yeah, I don't know, man. Should have maybe done this or this, you know, the injury issue and, you know, is he wearing the right shoes and all this different stuff. I think T. Forbes has made it to like Dave Cohen level of like, if this dude wants a guy, I'm no longer questioning it. Like, that's how I am with Dave Cohen for Wake Forest football on the defensive line. Whenever Dave Cohen tells me tells someone, "Hey, I'm going to offer you a scholarship," I don't bother saying, you know, what he could do this better, that better. You still evaluate your own, but I'm not considering to and say, "Man, that was bad take." I. Uh, I've given, I'm, I'm done. He knows what he's doing at this point. He's got the track record done. That's kind of how I am with Steve Forbes at this point because the only misses in the portal he's had has been Davian Bradford. And, and I, I, I don't really want to call Jow a miss yet because I don't want to call Jow or Bramo misses yet because Bramo's been here for a year. Well, not even a year. And, you know, Bramo was going was gonna to be a project regardless. So, was going to be a project. He's sitting behind a bunch of guys right now. Whatever. But the only real miss is maybe Jao because Jao was really behind last year when he was injured and now got injured again. So I guess that's maybe the only only other miss. But the only real miss he's had is David Bradford. Forbes in the portal is not just not. He's not even hit doubled. I guess I'll, you know I'll I'll put Jalen Johnson in there because I don't, I don't know if Jalen Johnson was great. I, I'll put Jalen there. But David. Good. Joey Antonio was solid. I, I'll dial that hill. I thought Joey Antonio was solid. I'll put Wilkins there too. So the, that that damn COVID year. So yeah, Jalen Johnson, Isaiah Wilkins, I would say, and David, David Bradford are your misses. In 2021, Alondis. I, I hear Alondis Williams is pretty, is pretty good. Damari, pretty good. Kadeem C, Dallas, Jake LaRavia. 2021 was outstanding 2022 david bradford he was a miss i heard that tyree appleby guy was pretty good i'm not sure but i heard he was good andrew carr heard he's pretty good he might have just scored a thousand points in his career maybe possibly i don't know Chow injured we'll see and then this past offseason bramo he was going to be a project i don't want to call him a miss just yet just because again small sample size afton reed so far very good. Hunter Salas, very, very good. Boopy, very, very good. Like, Steve is just, I, I'm just kind of done questioning it. It's not worth me being wrong to question it. So, is what it is. I'm having fun with this team. I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun with this team, and I hope other people are having a lot of fun with this team. Quick note in football, you know, I know people are still going to be, you know, have some questions and I'm kind of, I've been writing something about that, that I think will go up probably Gen 1 or Gen 2. Yeah, I, there there will be a portal visitor this weekend. Uh, no defensive end. I have a feeling there will be a wide receiver on campus. You know, they're looking more into kind of the Donovan. I think that when they will be getting a wide receiver, hell or high water, they'll be getting a wide receiver. I think the mold of that person will be more of a, Donovan Green type of a you know six 
six-two-ish kind of guy, six-one-six-two, take top of the defense sort of guy. Then it is a Jamal Banks, go up and get it kind of guy. I think that's more of what they're going after is, and I think that's something that they severely lacked last year was, and that they relied too much on trying to be on. I think they relied on a lot more the last couple of years than I really would love. But you know, I, I would very much think that that they are going to rely more on kind of route running and speed than they are going to be jump balls the next year or two. And I, I think that's a welcome sort of move for that. But I, I think this team is for Wake Forest in 2024 is going to be one that's betting on competency. You know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I very much think that if you had, if you have, if you're upset about Hank Bachmeyer being, you know, I don't think Hank, Hank Bach, again, I will say Hank Bachmeyer is not guaranteed going to be the starter. There's going to be a battle between him and Michael Kern. If ha- they really, really, really would like to redshirt Jeremy, they, they they want to redshirt him. Jeremy wants to redshirt. Jeremy knows, I mean, he obviously, I mean, I'll put it this way. Jeremy wants to compete and, you know, play as much as he possibly can. Jeremy knows he needs to get bigger. He knows he's on the Sam Hartman sort of path. The The parallels between those two are very, very, very clear. He knows he needs to go to cookout four to five times a week when he gets to Wake Forest because he needs to put on weight. That's probably the biggest knock on him right now. It's just, he's not the biggest guy. He's fine red shirting because he knows, like, look, if I don't win the job right now, I go do it next year. And, and it's and again, I say that very confidently. He, he very much is a, if I don't win it this year, I'm winning it next year. He Kids got all the confidence in the world. Expect the hell out of it. If you were upset the Wake Forest did not get a bona fide starter in the portal, you know, just say someone that, like, you know, that we're going to take this guy, plug him in. Sorry, Michael Kern. This guy is going to be our starter. I understand frustration. I very much understand. I think that this team is just kind of done with the whole, we're just going to hand you the keys sort of thing. We're going to create as much competition at every single position as we possibly can. If you win, you win. If you don't, tough titties. That That's kind of what they're going to do, and they're just trying to create. They, what they want is competency. There are a lot of parallels between what Wake Forest does and what the 49ers do on offense in terms of their offensive philosophy. They do not like playing from behind. Wake Forest playing from behind isn't a very good team. That's just not how they're structured. They're, how teams are structured are, are different across the board. I think the Eagles are a team that are not. They're built to play from behind, but they're not a team that wants to play from behind. They're a team that wants to play from in front. I think the Ravens are a team that, you know, would prefer, I mean, teams obviously want to prefer playing from in front, but I think that the Ravens are a team that would prefer to play from a, a lead, but are much, much better playing from a deficit. Just from the weapons that they have, the running game is kind of meh, miles out of Lamar. Wake Forest is a team that I think the running game is solid. It's fine. But they very they very much want to lean on a, as a team, be like, hey, we want to play from a hand. One, that's the style of offense that they that Warren Ruggiero likes, and you know I think there's a lot of similarities between what he wants to do and what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. So, but it's one of those things that the, the parallel is also when competent quarterbacks come in and play and just you know follow the script. You don't got to do you ain't got to do shit special. We need people to follow the script, whether that's at quarterback, whether that's at offensive line, running back. You do your damn job. The offense all of a sudden's top five offense in the country, and everyone's like, "I need to hire Warren Ruggiero as my as my offensive coordinator, as my head coach." They're betting on competency. That's what they're betting on this year. They, and I think you know there are some definite limitations there because I don't think you have the highest upside because I don't know if you necessarily have the horses like a, like a Debo Samuel like he, like how Shanahan has in terms of just breaking the game wide open, but. When things are executed correctly, and this isn't saying that they're not going to make changes in terms of like what they're running on offense, they're going. There's always changes. I think if you say that there's not changes in offense every year, you're just complaining to complain. They ran stuff out of the pistol. 
If I told you three years ago, Wake ran with a pistol, your head would have exploded. They ran stuff out of the wish, out of like, out of like, flex, out of the flex team, the, the wing. Like, it, like, they ran stuff out of so many different formations that they were just trying shit because they were like, we need something to work. Could they use more motion in their offense? Yes. I think that, I think everyone should use more motion in your offense. Using motion is good. I think people should do that. They don't do that. I, I have my gripes, just like I have my gripes that made my piece about Wake Forest quarterbacks not throwing to the running backs in the flat. Just I made my peace with that. But what Ron, what this offense and whatever they, they scheme up is built on competency. It's just be like, hey, quarterback, do your job. Off to fly, do your job. Wide receivers, do your job. People need to just do their jobs correctly. There was a video that someone put out a couple days ago about you know one bad play on an offense. I think it was about to talk about Chiefs. One person doing their job wrong can just destroy a drive like it can be a first down second down a third down doesn't matter what down it is one person not doing their job on any of those downs destroys and that's just kind of football and so that's why i think this is the year that they're trying to say hey we're going to bet on competence we're going to bet that our guys they're going to bet that we're going to teach correctly our guys are going to execute correctly we're going to go from there could they have gotten splashier signings? Yes, I think they. They, I, I think there's an argument to say, you know, them having Hank Bachmeyer and Curtis work on the same level of quarterback kind of tells me all I need to know in terms of, and that's not like a, I'm not, I'm not just conjecture. That's a those two were pretty much viewed as equals, and it was a whoever commits first gets the, gets the spot. They and I and I and I agree, I do agree with that of that evaluation. There's some evaluation I don't agree with. I agree with the evaluation that I don't think it necessarily matters what kind of quarterback is in the offense. It just matters that that person is competent because the ceiling is the ceiling with that with that quarterback. In which I, I also agree because I don't know if necessarily. A game breaker changes Wake Forest in terms of the quarterback position. Like, unless you're sitting here telling me Lamar Jackson is walking in that door, I don't necessarily know if like having someone with the higher, the highest of highest ceilings, does anything differently for Wake Forest because the plays are going to be the plays. They're, they'll scramble. They'll you know they'll make some flashy plays, but I don't know if it changes, you know, the foundation of what Wake Forest does. Wake Forest is going to be a heavy RPO offense. They're going to rely on their wide receivers getting open, whether that's, you know, it used to be the Twin Towers, Sage and Scotty. Now it's evolving more and more into a, we're going to, we're going to scheme and have our guys that are pretty good route runners get open. I don't know if quarterback just change, changes that, changes that, that a lot. You know, that's kind of why they, they went after Keegan Trost on the offensive line. They're going to evaluate some stuff. And, you know, I think after this spring, I would not be shocked if they went after an offensive lineman. I think they're, because, you know, and I've, I mentioned on the boards, a lot of the Ivy guys, I don't know if they just didn't know when they'd graduate or they just kind of assumed they could enter the portal right off the rip and then just kind of complete their credits as it, as they went. A lot of the Ivy guys have not graduated and will not graduate until May. So a lot of people are souring on them because they're getting them on visits. And they're talking about this and they got all the transcripts. And then it went, wait, hold on a second. I'm not going to graduate until May. So now I have to go pivot to someone else because the dudes that I was like really coveting and I know Wick Forest very much coveted Luke Newman out of, out of uh, Holy Cross. I know they very much coveted uh, Jacob Rizzi. And, you know, there's definitely some, some questions of whether or not those guys are tackles or guards. Them not graduating changed a lot of calculus for a lot of people, not just Wake Forest. And so I think Wake Forest is now going to go into the, into the spring. They're going to evaluate what they have at, Two got two different places. They're, sorry, they're going to get a defensive end, and they're going to get a, a wide receiver, and those two positions should be filled by the time they get 
to the, by the time spring practice opens, I believe everyone from the football team gets back on the eighth. I double check that, but last time I was told it was the eighth of when guys had to be back at Wake Forest for football, and they'll have the awakening. I'm excited to see that, especially because they have a ton of of early enrollees, and I think some of these early enrollees can really help. They're going to take the spring and they're going to evaluate. They're going to get a defensive end. They're going to get a wide receiver. And they're going to say, okay, cool. They're good at those positions. They're fine. They're going to evaluate the offensive line, specifically at guard. They're going to evaluate that position. Because remember, they were very, very high on Mr. Nick Sharp. Nick Sharp went down with a lower body injury in Vanderbilt game. I believe he'll be back from the awakening. If not, he'll be back definitely for spring practice. They're going to evaluate Nick Sharp, Matt Goldman, who had just a rough first month and a half of football, played well down the stretch. They're going to evaluate those two. They think those two have are they think those two are are NFL caliber people. They think the and the last time they thought the last people they thought were NFL caliber on the offensive line were Phil Haynes and Zach Tom. So whatever, man. You you think you think that what you think? But they think those two are NFL caliber bodies. They are really, really high on George Sell, who, you know, I thought played really well going in. But they're going to evaluate the guard position. They're going to evaluate how Keegan Tros does. And they're going to evaluate guys like Eric Russell. They're going to evaluate, you know, the rest, Zach Funk. They're going to evaluate those guys to see if they can they can they figure out tackle that 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 other tackle spot and can they and is, are their guards good. If any of those guys are not up, not up to snuff, I do believe they will. One, one of them will not be a Wake Forest come summer, and I believe they'll go out and get one of those, one of those Ivy League guys, and say, "Hey, come on in. We're not going to promise you a starting spot. Come on in, play." Evaluate the offensive line, and they're going to evaluate corner. I I liked Capone Blue. I think he is someone that is a Solid body, you know. I, I definitely think he's has he has injury issues in the past, but you know, six three. And I, but the question is, does he fit more as a corner or does he fit more as a safety? I think, to me, I feel like he fits more as a safety, just with that bigger body. I know people want big, long corners that are six three and press at the line. Again, they run a lot of cover three. They press sometimes. They press. They don't really press that much. That's just how cover three is. But they have Demarcus Rankin, who you know they I you know Demarcus was up and down, but once he, he's back from an injury, I think they're they they like what they saw out of him at first. They have Sean Jones. I know Sean Jones had the absolute meltdown at Duke, but you know Deshaun Jones played some good ball. He played some solid ball. I I can't can't knock him. They're really, really high on Jamari Glasker. And, you know, Glasker had people really kind of saw Jamari against against Syracuse, saw the highs and lows, the lows of like, you know, sometimes the covering wasn't the best. But then he like makes some tackling plays. You're like, oh shit, I understand why Wake Force really, really liked you. I think Jamari has the highest upside out of everyone. I was trying to keep centering for an hour. I didn't. But I think Jamari has the, the highest upside out of anyone. That, in this room, him and Trayvon West, because Jamari can tag. Jamari can just really, you know, lock in. I, I treat him like a freshman because he missed his first year. They're going to evaluate Jamari, Andre Hodge. It's kind of a do or die year for Andre Hodge at this point. Antonio Robinson, he was hurt all of last year. He's essentially a freshman, but you know, he's someone with a built to, built to play body. Can he stay healthy and play? Trayvon West, young, was coming along well at the end of the year. Can he play? Samaria Stevenson towards ACL should be back for spring. Can he play? They're going to evaluate this position. If Capone Blue can come in and, you know, works better out as a corner, I think they figure out a question of, oh, and I forget about the early enrollees. I love Sam Neely, man. I give me all the Capone kids, not just because I'm friends with his sister, but give me all the Andy Capone kids. I think Weddington High School pumps out solid kids. I think Sam Neely, I think people are really going to enjoy Sam Neely. I love Devin Cook. I think he's going to be, I think he's more project. He's just, he's really, he's a really good athlete, but not someone that I think is really that technical a corner. What wins out the athleticism or the, you know, the technique. I think Sam Neely is a much more polished corner at 
this point of his career. And then obviously you have Tayshawn Bernie coming in at nickel. Not the biggest, but he's been one of the better cover corners in the state of Florida. So they're going to evaluate that position. If Capone Blue can kind of stick it out at corner and isn't better at safety, I do think they'll get a DB. But I think they'll kind of find someone to slot in at safety just to just for a depth perspective. If Capone Blue just it's just kind of just better at safety, they'll go out and get a corner. So they're they're evaluating that. Those are two spots that I think they will once they get a D a defensive end, and then once they get a wide receiver, that they'll say, "Hey, look, I think the next spots are going to be at offensive line and at, I'll say defensive back." So. Didn't keep us under an hour. Hate that. But thank you guys so, so much for listening. And as always, good eeks.